Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. This is Dr. Jess Armine talking to you from the Center for Bioindividualized Medicine here in southeastern Pennsylvania. And tonight, we're going to talk about a controversial subject, fibromyalgia. The original title for this episode was Fibromyalgia, the Great Lie. Well, as you probably know, I promote these episodes, and when I went to promote it, uh, Facebook wouldn't let me. <laughs> I guess they didn't like the word lie. Uh, so I created, I changed it to the great confusion. So if you have not picked up the PDF for this episode, which I spent a lot of time doing, so pick it up, <clears throat> you can go to my website at www.drjessarmine.com, click radio show, and on the right-hand side on the top you'll see where you can download the PDF for this particular show. I'm very happy to hear, see everybody here tonight. We look like we have a big crowd, and uh, we're going to have a good time, as usual. Um, let's see. There's not a lot of uh, new stuff happening here at the center. Uh, we are um, still uh, working with Dr. Sicconi because he may be um, taking up residence here a few days a week, and uh, that would be great for our patients in this area because they won't have to wait three and four months to see him, and uh, maybe just about a week or so. And he'll add a uh, very um, increased dimension to what we can do here. So hopefully everybody has gotten the PDF. So let us dive into it. <clears throat> I say this is controversial because I'm going to tie together several of our prior episodes because fibromyalgia is something that a lot of people are diagnosed with, and I take issue with that. Okay, not with the people, but with the diagnosis. But let's go through the medical stuff first. Fibromyalgia, or I'll be using the word fibro, as um, I'll use them interchangeably. <clears throat> the word fibromyalgia comes from the Latin term for fibrous tissue, fibro, and the Greek word for muscle and pain, algia. I don't know where I got Greek ones, sorry. When I type fast, sometimes I don't see things. Uh, so fibromyalgia, okay, is a combination of Greek and Latin, basically saying that you have pain in the muscles and fibers. And according to the National Library of Medicine, fibromyalgia is a common syndrome in which, which a person has long-term body-wide pain and tenderness in the joints muscles, tendons, and other soft tissues. Fibromyalgia has also been linked to fatigue, sleep problems, headaches, depression, and anxiety. Well, how did we get here? And I remember this. I think it was around 1993. The American College of Rheumatology created a criteria for the diagnosis of fibromyalgia. Prior to that, the diagnosis was never utilized. Well, it was utilized very rarely, but they codified it. It had to be a history of widespread pain lasting more than three months and other general physical symptoms including fatigue, waking unrefreshed, and cognitive memory of thought problems. And people had to have pain in the areas indicated on the uh, woman on the screen here. And uh, doctors would look at this, get a history, do a physical examination, and say, hmm, you have fibromyalgia. Hmm, Okay. The symptoms, in addition to pain and fatigue, according to the National Institute for Health, people who have fibromyalgia may experience a variety of other symptoms, including cognitive and memory problems, known as fibrofog. We hear that in a lot of other conditions also. Sleep disturbances, morning stiffness, headaches, irritable bowel syndrome, painful menstrual periods, numbness and tingling of the extremities, Restless leg syndrome. Please excuse the typos. I um, did this very quickly because something happened with my other um, 
the other uh, PowerPoint that I did, and I had to redo it all at once this afternoon. So there's a lot of uh, little typos here and there. Uh, temperature sensitivity and sensitivity to loud noises or bright lights. In uh, 2013, the American College of Rheumatology updated the diagnostic criteria. Okay, and they basically said that fibromyalgia is a chronic health problem, meaning that it will never go away, that causes pain all over the body and other symptoms. Other symptoms that patients most often have are tenderness or touch to pressure affecting joints or muscles, fatigue, sleep problems, problems with memory. Some people also have depression or anxiety, migraine or tension headaches, digestive problems, irritable bowel syndrome, gastroesophageal reflux disease, uh, irritable or overactive bladder, pelvic pain, temporal mandibular joint disorder. Hmm. Symptoms of fibromyalgia and its related problems can vary in intensity and will wax and wane over time. And as you might expect, stress often worsens the symptoms. This is um, from the rheumatology.org. Now, you'd think that by this time they would identify causes. I mean, if you have a bacterial infection, they can usually, you know, culture it out and figure it out and know how to fight it. But according to the experts, the causes of fibromyalgia are unclear. They may be different in different people. Fibromyalgia may run in families. Do I hear the word genetics? Okay. Uh, there are likely certain genes that can make people more prone to getting fibromyalgia and the other health problems that can occur with it. Genes alone, though, do not cause fibromyalgia. Well, I'd agree with that statement. There are most often tr uh, some triggering factors that set off fibromyalgia. It may be spine problems, arthritis, injury, other types of physical stress. Emotional stress may also trigger this illness. The result is a change in the way the body talks with the spinal cord and brain. Levels of brain chemicals and proteins may change. For the person with fibromyalgia, it is as though the volume control is turned up too high in the brain's processing centers. Again, this is from rheumatology.org, uh, their clinical practice guidelines. Um, people, in my opinion, that's a fancy way of saying we don't really know what causes it. Okay, we're kind of we're kind of just going to tell you how we see a trend, but we're not going to tell you what causes it because we don't know. When you go to see an allopathic physician, how is di how is fibromyalgia diagnosed? Well, a doctor will suspect fibromyalgia based on your symptoms. Doctors may require that you have tenderness or pressure or tender points at a specific number of certain spots, like I showed you before. Uh, before saying that you have fibromyalgia, but they're not required to make a the dumb but they're not required to make the diagnosis. Uh, the a physical exam can be helpful to detect tenderness and exclude other causes. A physical exam can be helpful. Hmm. Oh well, uh, I always thought that was kind of required, but that's besides the point. Uh, there are no diagnostic tests for this problem, yet you may need. To, test to rule out other health problems that can be confused with fibromyalgia. True, true. So, I submit to you, and here's where we start getting a little controversial, and I'll slow down because I'm whipping through these things really fast, that fibromyalgia, I'm going to ask you, is fibromyalgia a diagnosis? This is really important, so bear with me a little bit and pay attention. I know you're paying attention. I didn't mean to sound like that, but uh, bear with me and my, my little bit of madness here because I, I want to get across a point that I've been making with my own patients and saying for a long, long time, and this is a perfect opportunity. A diagnosis is an investigation or analysis of the cause or nature of a condition, situation, or problem. I got that out of Merriam-Webster Dictionary. For example, a sore throat, or if you're from Brooklyn, a sore throat, is a symptom. It is not a diagnosis. A strep throat is a diagnosis because now you know what caused the sore throat. Fibro or fibromyalgia is a description of the set of symptoms. I submit to you that it is not a diagnosis. 
Therefore, fibromyalgia does not describe the cause of the symptoms and should not be considered a diagnosis. Why is this so important? Okay, you might be saying, why is he spending time on this? Because when you get a diagnosis, well, from the doctor's point of view, when you have a diagnosis, the investigation stops. We've, we found out what it is. You have fibromyalgia. That doesn't tell me what's wrong with you. Okay, that only tells me your set of symptoms. If you have chronic fatigue syndrome, that's a syndrome. It's a, connect, it's a collection of uh, symptoms. Irritable bowel syndrome is a collection of symptoms. It doesn't tell you what is wrong. But the way things have been treated, when you get the diagnosis, everybody shakes their head and says, okay, I have fibromyalgia. Now you're being told you have this incurable chronic disease, and here's some Lyrica, here's some gabapentin, or whatever it is, we're just going to manage it. Okay, there's no thought to maybe there may be something else wrong that is causing the fibromyalgia, or, okay, that even if nothing else is identifiably wrong in your regular lab tests, there might be a reason for this person to have this that might be treatable. That's where I get upset. And we all know, being Sicilian and being from Brooklyn, no one likes Dr. Armine to become upset. But have you noticed something as I was talking? Weekly, we have spoken about various conditions like OCD and PANDAS, okay, mitochondrial disease or dysfunction, fluoroquinolone toxicity, leaky gut syndrome, mood disorders, neurotransmitters and methylation, hormonal disorders, POTS, MCS, dysautonomia, etc. Do you notice that the symptoms that I mentioned before kind of are the same no matter where you go? Okay, how many people have insomnia? How many people have a condition that they've been diagnosed with and have fatigue or muscle pain? Okay, there's a commonality here. Okay, when you start seeing this, you say to yourself, okay, what do they have in common? Hmm, and why is that important? Let's look. Yes, the, common, the commonality is inflammation. Okay, and we talked about inflammation before as causing loads of different things. Neurological disease, Alzheimer's disease, diabetes, arthritis, cardiovascular disease is an inflammatory disease. Okay, pulmonary diseases, autoimmune diseases. Don't get me started on autoimmune diseases. Okay, inflammation, which I'm seeing the allopaths coming along and saying, you know, now all of a sudden they're talking inflammation all the time. I wonder where they learned that from. Hmm, must be from us, but they won't say that. Reminds me of a scene out of History of the World Part 1, but we won't speak of it. Okay? So is fibromyalgia an expression of inflammation? Well, let's think about it for a second. Um, if we look in, at the symptoms and compare them to the entities we've spoken of in the past, many symptoms are similar. As a matter of fact, they're scary similar. As a matter of, they're almost the same things with very minor variations. Why would inflammation express differently in different people? Well, we spoke about epigenetics. Remember those two, um, two episodes I did on December 16th and December 30th where we talked about looking at your 23andMe without going crazy? I was talking about different pathways then. And depending on how the pathways are set up, and you put enough traffic into those pathways, it's going to make those polymorphisms express. But they're not the same polymorphisms all the time. They may express differently. Okay, even the same pathway, depending on other pathways, may express differently. So if we look at it from a point of view of expression, your epigenome, okay, will determine how you express, and that's what we call genetic predisposition. This is what it is. And here it is staring at you in the nostrils. Okay, so now you know why I went through all that effort and time with everybody so we could start looking and saying, gee, this is why people express differently. Okay, that's a usual question. If we continue to think in the diagnosis genre, we'll keep getting bogged down because, you know, people treat for the diagnosis. They treat something with fibromyalgia, something for headaches, something for this, something for that, and they don't treat the commonality. They don't treat what's really the root cause. By the way, 
What I've noticed clinically is that dysautonomia, POTS, multiple chemical sensitivities and the like are long-term effects of chronic inflammation. I tend to see people get chronic inflammation like my Floxy patients and several other, uh, even the pandas and so forth. And then later on, you can almost, I can't really time it, but later on, they start developing autoimmune diseases. They start developing dysautonomia, problems with blood pressure, problems with insulin regulation, uh, problems with uh, tachycardia, okay, multiple chemical sensitivities. These are all receptor dysfunctions, and I believe that they are a result of long-term inflammation and the effect on the neural receptors. So what kind of things can express as fibro or fibromyalgia? Okay, infection, virus, bacterial, parasite, yeast or fungal. Okay, severe stress, acute or chronic. Exposure to toxins, the endocrine system or hormonal. Gee, where have we heard this before? Okay, this was taken out of, you know, I should have put the uh, reference in, sorry. Okay, uh, but it was taken out of a fibromyalgia book. And doesn't it sound familiar? It's the same stuff we've been talking about. Weird, huh? But really, is it weird? I wonder about weird. I don't know. I'm in that kind of mood tonight. Consider that. Consider this. If, and I better slow down because <laughs> I only have a few slides left and um, we're only 15 minutes into the episode. <clears throat> if fibromyalgia, pandas, pans, fluoroquinolone toxicity, mitochondrial dysfunction, yada, 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 all have their root in inflammation, then maybe, just maybe, you don't have a truly incurable disease. Maybe you've just been told that you have a diagnosis that really isn't a diagnosis that gives you the impression that it's never going to go away. And if you stop doing anything to try and make it go away, well, we'll just go ahead and manage the pain for you. Okay, and this is where I get upset. Maybe, just maybe, if we discover and eradicate the causes of inflammation, you would heal. You know, I hate to be spiritual, but the fact is you're made to heal. And all we really have to do, and this is we, as chiropractors, we're forever talking about, you know, taking away the impediments to healing. Okay, so why don't you heal? Maybe what we really need to do is take away the reasons that you don't heal, and a lot of these horrible things would go away. This is the concept I've been working with, and Sean has been working with, and Ben Lynch, and everybody in our group has been working with this overriding thought that if we get your body to work again, if we take away the reasons that cause inflammation, I'm sorry, if we take away the factors that cause inflammation or the factors that um, are causing dysfunction, that your body by itself will work. That led us to saying, don't treat the SNPs or the polymorphisms directly. Treat the body and use the polymorphisms as a guide, okay? And then at some point, you may need to tune or tweak them, but for the vast majority of the time, you don't really need to treat them because they will reset themselves. So, again, what, ca what are causes of inflammation, okay? We've been talking about this over the past few months, but let's go over them again. Leaky gut syndrome. Remember leaky gut? Okay, where the antigens go through the leaky gut, they get picked up by the immune system, by the, uh, by the macrophages. Okay, it presents the product to the naive T cell. And the naive T cell decides whether it's going to create a natural killer cell or start creating antibodies. Okay, and if it starts creating antibodies, it creates memory cells. So every time you get exposed to an antigen, you get more and more and more memory cells. Now, what's the big deal about that? Well, if you produce the antigens... Uh, antibodies to the antigen, they, what they do is they bind up the antigen so they, they can't work on your body. But if you're producing so much more antibodies or what is otherwise known as immunoglobulins, those immunoglobulins start creating inflammation. They become the problem. So every time, you know, if you've got a ton of memory cells, every time you throw an antigen in, all the memory cells go off and you have this big massive amount of immunoglobulins being produced, i.e. inflammation. Add to that dysbiosis. It could be something like bacterial, like SIBO, small intestine bacterial overgrowth. It could be fungal, like candida albicans, parasites, viruses, 
Okay, and parasites, let, let me tell you, oy, okay, is the most underdiagnosed condition in America today, in my estimation. There's so many things that when they go after the parasites, especially in autistic children, okay, you see all kinds of changes, positive changes, because the parasites will hook on to the inner lining of the gut and just cause all kinds of immunological reactions and continue to do so. And that's where a lot of the upregulation comes. And that upregulation goes through certain epigenetic pathways and you get certain behaviors. For some people, it's hyperactivity. For some people, it's ADD. For some people, it's autism. Okay. Chronic infections, strep like in PANDAS. And PANS would indicate, which is pediatric acute neuropsychiatric syndrome, okay, because it wasn't just strep. It's other microorganisms too. Lyme. I don't think anybody argued about Lyme. Okay. Lyme is ubiquitous. Lyme is endemic. The Lyme co-infections, Bartonella, Babesia, Ehrlichia, I can never pronounce that word, okay, and there's a whole mess of them, okay, and by the way, did, you, know, you know, the Lyme organism is Borrelia bugdifori, <clears throat> and there are certain strains, but Texas had to have its own strain, okay, everything's bigger in Texas, all right, they renamed Borrelia bugdifori, and they call it Borrelia lone staris, okay, and here I picture this spirochete with a little cowboy hat and a star on its back riding something. I don't know. I just was a the way I remember it's kind of funny. Oh, whatever. Okay. Autoimmune disorders. I'm sorry. Viral. We've got viral. And remember, there's loads and loads of viruses that can get in and they hang out. Okay. And that includes, you know, Epstein-Barr, herpes, and this whole, there's like nine different herpes. Okay. There's a whole mess of different viruses without even getting, you know, esoteric. Autoimmune disorders. Now, we've spoken about autoimmune disorders before, and I've told you that it's my opinion that chronic inflammation causes autoimmunity, not the reverse, okay? And a lot of times I see people, you know, if you look at a, a, the predisposition genetically, and not everybody who's got the predisposition gets the disease. I wonder why. <clears throat> a certain, ha certain amount of circumstances have to be set up for the disease to be expressed via the epigenetics, i.e. chronic inflammation, okay? Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying out there, okay? There's something you can control, something you can treat. Hmm, and you might get better. I don't know. Toxins, molds, heavy metals, and certain medications. We've talked about fluoroquinolones and the dangers of them in, the cert in a certain subset of people. And let's not forget chronic stress like PTSD. And, you know, PTSD isn't... Um, just for soldiers, although, you know, they have my ultimate respect. I've, I was a captain in the Army, so they have a, a complete, my complete respect, especially when they've been in battle. But remember, rape victims, okay, or victims of sexual abuse, have the same sort of PTSD, okay, for the same reasons, really. It's a total loss of control, okay, and uh, has long-term effects. I've had several patients this past two weeks that in their history... I discovered this type of abuse, and um, I've, you know, I've advised them for to get counseling, and I can, I can handle the neurotransmitter, the uh, biophysiological balancing. But if uh, the proper therapy is not applied, this kind of thing will dog you for the rest of your life and make your life horrible and miserable because there'll be a cauldron like bubbling all the time. So let's not downplay psychological stress because it has physiological causes, physiological effects, my mistake. <clears throat> so specifically, what causes fibromyalgia? Well, it's nothing special. There's nothing different. It's chronic inflammation. Okay, so it's the way it's expressing in you. Okay, why the fibro symptoms instead of something else? Well, the dysfunction, the neurotransmitter imbalances, receptor dysfunction, hormonal imbalances are caused by the inflammation and is directed towards the fibromyalgic symptoms by your epigenome. Okay, so that's where the tie-in is. Yet the chronic inflammation, it starts creating imbalances. Okay, where that dysfunction goes depends on the epigenome and your metabolic pathways. Okay, and that's how you tend to express. That's where your genetic predisposition is, and now you've got it set up so you get whatever you're genetically predisposed to. So dysautonomia, 
uh, again, POTS, MCS, are similar expressions. They're longer-term downstream effects, also directed by the epigenome. That's why some people get POTS and some people get MCS, and some people get something else, and some people get uh, you know, dizziness and vertigo and, yeah, and all kinds of different things that are dependent on the autonomic nervous system. Okay, and I, I wrote here that you ever notice when somebody gets rheumatoid arthritis, they start developing, developing other autoimmune diseases also, like Sjogren's, or when somebody's been floxed, they start with a certain set of symptoms, but down the road they develop the dysautonomic systems, symptoms rather. I wonder why. Okay, I'm not really wondering because I know it's chronic inflammation. And that's the bad news. Okay, but the good news is, turn the page. If you think about it, if fibromyalgia is from chronic inflammation, from whatever root causes, then chronic inflammation can be treated. I do it all the time. You guys do it all the time. If the fibrosystem symptoms, including fibrofog dysautonomia, are expressions of genetic polymorphisms brought on by chronic inflammation, well, that can be treated too, especially if you can identify it and say, hmm, I know which pathways it is, and if it needs support, I know how to support it. So, as it was said in the intro of the TV show, The Six Million Dollar Man, in the, was it the 60s or 70s? Gentlemen, we can rebuild him. We have the technology. We have the capability. We can make him better than he was before, better, stronger, faster. Ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you, and I know that this is sacrilege across the board, that we have, in fact, in 2014, the means at our disposal to reduce and or eradicate chronic inflammation to elucidate and treat the root causes that set up the inflammation, to identify the dysfunctional biochemical pathways and reset them as, as well as to rebuild leaky cell walls. And we talked about leaky cells. And once a lot of histamine gets out and starts ripping open those cells, if you don't give the body what it needs to rebuild the cell walls, nothing will work. If you have a leaky gut, it's not limited to the gut. You have a leaky blood-brain barrier. You have leaky mitochondria. You have leaky mitochondria. You're not going to produce ATP. It's as simple as that. And we have the means to reinitiate the mitochondrial electron transport chain pathways. Okay, I realize that in the, uh, there may be a differentiation in some people's minds between mitochondrial disease and mitochondrial dysfunction, but we're making great strides and quickly in reinitializing, if you will, the electron transport chain. Okay, and many of our Floxy patients have experienced good results with some of these actions. But how do we go about it? You're going to find out it's nothing really special. Okay? This, like I've been telling you, has to be done on an individual basis. Each person is different with varied requirements. That's why you can't write a book about this and just follow it. And this is why you can't follow a protocol. Remember, in my office, protocols are as a four-letter word, okay? It's lazy man's medicine because the people that we deal with, the people who are, you know, the sick of the sick, people who've been everywhere and haven't been able to get answers, okay, depend on health practitioners like myself and Sean and Cynthia Smith and Tim Jackson and Ben Lynch and so forth, okay, to get those answers, okay, because we think like this and we treat you on an individual basis. We, your individual physiology is the thing that must be treated. You can't follow a protocol. And you find out that most alternative medicine practitioners slash holistic practitioners slash functional medicine practitioners and so forth don't really follow a holistic path. What they do is follow protocols or a protocol. A Dan doc, and I know I'm a Dan doctor. Okay, the Dan protocol was exactly that. They told you, walked in and said, this is going to take two years. And you follow, and this little, in Kirkman created a little map so everybody could follow along. That's the most crazy thing I've ever heard of in my life. And I told them when I was there, I wasn't exactly well liked there. Okay, because they weren't telling people how to heal anybody. They just said, yeah, just follow this path and you might, <laughs> essentially you just might hit it. Then you had your methyl B12 gurus and you had other gurus okay and they all practice one thing and there's sometimes you have a certain type of doctor like a lime litter doctor it's all they think about okay so if you only have a hammer as your tool then everybody looks everything looks like a nail so guess what every person's individual and the only way to treat fibromyalgia or any of these other chronic diseases that are expressing causing all kinds of pain and suffering is to treat 
each individual like that, just an individual. Look at their individual physiologies, which includes looking at the neurology, endocrinology, immunology, the epigenetics and nutrigenomic requirements, looking by intention for mitochondrial dysfunction and looking by intention at the cell wall integrity, okay? So it's not only treating the root causes. It's not only treating the downstream effects. And, you know, people have been treating symptoms, which is the downstream effects, which is fine, it's a, but it's a Band-Aid. Well, you know, there's no dishonor in using a Band-Aid if you're bleeding, but the dishonorable portion is just to keep using the Band-Aid and never stop the bleeding. Okay, so what we call now bioindividualized medicine, which we're going to be teaching hopefully within the next six weeks, we'll have everything set up, okay, is to get healthcare practitioners and the general public into this mindset that not just fixing the primary causative agent is important, but fixing the primary causative agent, what that agent did to the body, and then consider the epigenetics because they can be a good map a good pathway, a good guide to what may go on. You may get a predictive value, you can have treatment value, and so forth. So really, there are no easy answers. You know, somebody, there's somebody on hold waiting um, for, a, um, um, for me to talk and answer them, but there are no easy answers. I can't tell you, take this for fibromyalgia, okay, because fibromyalgia does not exist as a diagnostic entity. It is a collection of symptoms, and you should not accept it as a diagnostic, diagnostic entity. If somebody did, diagnoses you with that, you should get up, shake their hand, and walk out, okay, and find somebody who is willing to continue the fight, to continue the investigation. So it takes practitioners that care, and this is what we do here, of course. Uh, we, uh, Sean and I have pioneered the concept of bioindividualized medicine. Uh, and people ask me well, what kind of testing and stuff you do. Well, we do a lot of different testing, but testing, treatment, and therapies are all based on the individual's history, which gives the healthcare practitioner the capability of discovering the root causes of fibromyalgia and treating not only the root cause but the downstream effects as well as the genetic contribution. So maybe, just maybe, if we stop thinking of ourselves as being this incurable diagnosis, I'm a fibromyalgia patient, I'm a ex, I'm a, uh, you know, whatever you want to call yourself, and start consideration, considering that there are causations that can be treated, then perhaps, just perhaps, we can defeat this condition and defeat the other conditions. I'm not saying that people are not suffering. I'm saying that once you get the diagnosis, often the investigation stops and people just treat the diagnosis, and that is a capital mistake in my estimation because that's why we have so many failed treatments out there, okay? So as usual, I say every week, we are taking new patients, and I can tell you that our appointments are filling up fast. Uh, if you would like, you can call the office, uh, the number's there, and, off, and we offer a complimentary get acquainted phone session for 15 minutes so we can assess actually to see if we are a good fit and I can assess and Sean can assess if we can really help you because we don't take cases unless we really feel like we can help. Our contact information is there, okay, and we would be honored to help anyone discuss um, treatment or diagnostic options of getting rid of this lie that is called fibromyalgia. So if anybody would like to ask questions, the number here is 646-595-2277, and there's been somebody on hold for a while, so I'm going to take this question. Hello there. You've been holding on very patiently. This is Dr. Armine. Are you there? Maybe not. I hear them in the background. Hello? Okay, maybe they'll call back. So I don't want to be repetitive and keep on getting on my soapbox, but I would really like to have any questions that you may have on any type of chronic illness and how to go about looking at it. Uh, this is um, what I've been trying to teach 
uh, when I, I've been doing neuroendoimmunology for many years, and uh, you know that everybody calls me the neurotransmitter whisperer, but uh, what I've really been doing is trying to expand my thinking, and I've been noticing commonalities. You know, truth is a very difficult thing to find, okay? And uh, if we remember what Pilate said when he was talking to Christ, you know, is your truth the same as my truth? Okay, truth is tough to quantify. Uh, when I've studied different religions, uh, the only way I could t- identify truth was if all the religions basically said the same thing about something, I'd say, gee, that must be an axiom, must be a truth. Okay? When I started looking at disease from the same point of view, I started seeing, gee, um, there's some real common things. And how do I know that? Because the symptoms are all the same. You know, the majority of the symptoms are the same. They're, you know, they're expressing the same. And they have different root causes. And what are those root causes doing? They're creating inflammation. What is inflammation doing? It's upregulating the system or dysregulating the system. Okay, and then it's going along the, by the uh, genetic pathways and expressing in a certain manner. Then, of course, the whole epigenome got, got identified. Okay, and research continues and continues and continues. But we need practitioners who are willing to learn this stuff and practice it, and practice it in its pure fashion. And let me tell you, it takes work. Okay, it takes a lot of work and um, a lot of um, time, a lot of history taking, a lot of consideration of the patient's individual needs and even getting down to, you know, their financial needs and making sure that you don't just order a plethora of tests, which is like throwing you-know-what against the wall and seeing what sticks. Okay, I, I abhor doing that, and a lot of, a lot of uh, physicians do that, and um, I have my... I know exactly why they're doing it. They don't want to get myself in trouble by putting it out over the radio. So, uh, guys, it's 8.36, and... I'd really like some questions. Uh, anybody out there like to call in and uh, argue with me? Maybe take a different point of view? Um, I'm kind of running out of things to say. <laughs> I'm going to start telling jokes, and that can, get, that can get really bad. So I'll give it a couple of minutes to see if anybody else has questions. But if you go over the, uh, the prior episodes, you'll start seeing these commonalities. And if you have a diagnosis of whatever, okay, know that it is fixable for the most part. Okay, unless there's actual destruction. Ooh, here's somebody. Unless there's actual destruction, you know, the cells can heal. Hi, a person from the 862 area code. This is Dr. Armine. How are you? Hi there. I My name is Regina. I'm calling in as more of a friend for a person who suffers from fibromyalgia, or as you say, the symptoms of chronic mm-hmm. inflammation. This is kind of a new perspective for me, and I'm sure for her too. Um, I'm, I'm away glad. from her now. We, we, met, mm-hmm. we met in college, and she started suffering from all of these problems, and I'm away now at grad school. And I just spoke to her recently, and she's just kind of come to a point where she doesn't want to see anybody else. Nobody can help her. It's just constant tests, and nobody's actually treating her. So I guess I'm just calling in to um, ask for your advice or suggestions for what she should do. I'm not really familiar with you or where you are. Well, here's um, that, that's a very, very um, typical scenario where a person's been from uh, one practitioner to another and has had one test after another, and the tests aren't really revealing. They're not showing anything. Um, it'd be great if you know, a test would say, oh, there it is. You know, this is what we have, and then you would treat it, and the person would get better. Uh, if she st- How long ago did the symptoms start? Um, let's see. She said it started when she was in high school. She was so probably 18, and now she's 25. Okay, so we're talking about at least seven years. So think about seven years of inflammation. It's going to take its toll on that person's system. Okay, if the, um, just take the neurotransmitters. Okay, at first they'll be all way up in the air. Okay, then after a long period of time, 
they start losing the the amount of the amount of neurotransmitters in the vesicles, which are like the warehouses. So you start looking at a balance like that, and all of a sudden everything looks exhausted. So they can't respond to all the stimuli. Uh, their immune system has been um, whipped, has been uh, stimulated to the point of almost failure. The, uh, the immune system is usually comes from, you know, inflammation usually comes from the gut. And generally speaking, when you're under that kind of stress and you've had antibiotics or you've had steroids, um, that, that particular gut tends to get very leaky or uh, hyperpermeable, and that has its own set of problems. And so you get this long-term snowball effect where one thing starts building up on top of another, on top of another, on top of another, and then after a while it becomes almost insurmountable because you can't identify the one thing or two things that are causing all the symptoms. And then you start getting into a, you know, very reasonably get into a depression, and um, it goes on like that. Uh, if she has had a very extensive workup and nobody's finding anything, then that's what's usually in our court. Because we, what we do is look at things from a different point of view or at least give things a fresh look. That's why I offer the 15-minute uh, the get acquainted session because in about 15 minutes I can hear somebody's story and I can say, yep, you're the kind of person that I treat and I do well with. Or, you know, and there's a lot of, a lot of people I turn away and say, you know, you really haven't done this yet, so go see this kind of doctor and, you know, get these other things done because that's where it probably is, Okay. Uh, or it's a surgical thing, in which case I, I refer them to, you know, where it's appropriate for uh, the particular uh, case. But when it's something where they've had symptoms for a really long time and it's only getting worse, and here you have this 25-year-old, what should be a healthy young woman just at the, the beginning of her life, you know, looking at many years of, oh, my God, I'm just going to be like this all the time, Okay. Uh, well, not I can that see it is she used to be so healthy and so fit, and now like all hmm. of that is taken from her because everything sends her into a flare-up. Well, that, like I said, is usually in the court of practitioners like myself, uh, people like me that do this kind of work because that is the reason we're good. We're good at this, or we're you know we have a more than reasonable probability of eradicating it is because we start looking for things that other people haven't looked for, or we relook at everything and say, huh, they didn't think this was important, but it is. I'll give you a quick example. There's a lot of people who have symptoms of hypothyroidism. Um, I'm not talking about, the, you know, about your, your friend, but let's say you have somebody who has, you know, difficulty losing weight, cold all the time, starts losing their hair, and so forth. Okay, and, um, you know, the thyroid tests are normal, though. Okay, well... Guess what? You know, that person probably has hypothyroidism. How are you going to prove it? We'll take their temperatures every day. Okay, there's two ways of doing that. Either take your temperature every morning, okay, and record, and if it's below 97.5 every day, guess what? You have hypothyroidism. I don't care who's, what your tests say. Or uh, you can use um, Wilson's temperature syndrome's methodology by taking the temperature three times a day, three hours after you wake up, three hours after that, three hours after that for about two weeks, average each day, and then average the um, two weeks, and again, if it's below 97.5, there is no question about hypothyroidism, regardless of the tests. So now you have to work with a doctor who's willing to work with that empirical information because, unfortunately, most of our allopathic colleagues only follow lab tests. They say they treat the person, not the lab test, but they're lying. Okay, if they don't treat the lab test, okay, if they treat the person and not the lab test, they can get themselves in a lot of trouble because standard of care these days is you better be able to prove it by the lab test. How many people have chronic Lyme and the, um, the Western blot, or the worse, worse than that, the screening ELISA test is normal? Well, that screening test is only positive if you have a, acute Lyme. You know, if you have chronic Lyme, okay, and let's face it, you know, sometimes the big guys don't want to pay for this. So in Australia, Lyme doesn't exist. Lyme is a disease does not exist. In the United States, chronic Lyme doesn't exist, okay, according to the infectious disease people. That's why we need, quote-unquote, Lyme literate doctors who are willing to treat it. 
And those guys can be problematic also, depending, because they treat the bug and they're not treating the downstream effect of what happened to the body. So it's a matter of the reason for the bioindividualized medicine paradigm was to get healthcare practitioners and lay people thinking differently. You know, I've got no, I've got no bone to pick. All right, I simply want to see poor people getting better, and I see that they're not. And I see the commonality of why they're not. Okay, so if you have your girlfriend, give us a call. You know, if, they, if she'd like to talk to one of us, you know, there's no obligation. I don't twist people's arms. I'm a big teddy bear in case anybody ever no, noticed my uh, picture on my website. You know, me and teddy bears get along. But um, that was a joke. You can laugh. Uh, <laughs> But, well, I'm, uh, I'm just curious. I don't actually, I missed the very beginning. I'm not really sure of your name or where you're located or your phone number because all that's coming okay. up on the blog is just like a few images. Okay. Uh, I'm Dr. Jess Armine. My phone number is 610-449-9716. Okay, if you go to my website, www.drjessarmine.com, okay, and click radio show, you can get the PDF uh, for this show, it's uh, on the right-hand side, and it has everything I just talked about because I do it in a PowerPoint so people can have visual reference as I'm talking, and it can also has our contact information in there, okay? So everything's above board, and, you know, she is the type of case that we relish, you know, fixing because that's giving somebody their life back, okay? And that's okay. what we love doing. You know, I've been a healthcare provider for 37 years, and this is the culmination of it. Anything else I can answer for you? I think that's a good start. It's just a matter of seeing if if she's motivated to try one more time. Yeah, and I and I'll pray for her because that's that's where it really is at. You know, motivate you know to try one more time because I bet she's tried a lot. Yeah, she so. has, and her spirits are definitely pretty low. So thank you for this. I really appreciate it. Most welcome. Have a good day. Bye bye. You too. Bye. Okay, guys. Does anybody else have any uh, questions that I can answer for them? Anybody else like to call in? It's 646-595-2277. We've got about um, 10 minutes left to the show, and I'd be honored to answer any questions um, that anybody has out there. I see somebody typing, but it's not coming through just yet. And um, I also want to thank you for all the support that you guys have been showing me. And our and our um, little endeavor here, uh, our uh, Facebook page is up to almost 1,200 likes, and um, I think people are getting the idea about what bioindividualized medicine and demanding that their doctors start thinking. Uh, I've been telling people that this concept <clears throat> is very much at this point like a, a campfire that you know has gotten to that point where it'll you know fly on its own or burn on its own. You know, you don't have to keep tending it. Okay, people are getting the idea, and that's a really good thing. There's another uh, caller here. Hello, yes, caller from question. the 435. Oh, please. Hi. I was wondering, um, with healing the gut from, the, from leaky gut syndrome, does the GAPS diet apply to something like that? Say again, please. The GAPS diet. Is that okay. a diet uh, I'm to glad apply you're, to I'm glad you know something, I'm very glad that you asked that question. Uh, I had a discussion today with somebody about uh, fixing a gut, and the, the comp- uh, there is, in fixing a gut, there's a combination of things you need to do, okay? Uh, the diets, the GAPS diet, the uh, SCD diet, um, Atkins, Paleo, uh, they're all, they all have their benefits, and they all have their detractor, detractions. But what is usually not done. When I go over, when, when I take a case on, I spend a lot of time going through, over the history. <clears throat> so um, what is usually not done is replenishment of the various uh, layers of the gut. For instance, uh, the gut has a mucus layer, which is the extrinsic barrier. The purpose of the mucus layer is to trap things like toxins and um, uh, dietary peptides and microorganisms and so forth. And there's something called secretory IgA that sits in there and binds them up. Also, that's where the biota live. That, you know, your probiotics, those microorganisms, that's where they live and that's what they eat. But when somebody has leaky gut, that layer has been eradicated. 
people don't uh, I also see that often they uh, are not giving themselves or they haven't been advised to give themselves substances that help the cell walls themselves heal a cell wall is a phospholipid bilayer and there's a need for phospholipids like phosphatidylcholine, phosphatidylethanolamine, that kind of stuff, okay, in order for those cell walls to heal. <clears throat> you also need, believe it or not, animal fat, okay, because we're animals. And um, it's good that we are careful about our oils, but a certain amount of animal fat is necessary, as is a certain amount of arachidonic acid, in order to heal the cells themselves. And we're talking about 30 trillion cells in your body. Okay, we're only talking about the leaky gut. So uh, when people go to fix the leaky gut, they'll say, okay, I'm going to put somebody on a, you know, the GAPS diet. Okay, and you might stop a lot of antigens from going in because you're taking away grains or you're doing this or you're doing that, but you're not fixing the gut. You're taking, you're lessening what's getting through. And sometimes it works very well, but often it's only a temporary fix or not even a fix because I see big gaps in the way that people actually try and heal the gut and I have a um, uh, there is a show that I did earlier on leaky gut syndrome that I made several recommendations okay because it's not hard it takes a little time but it's not hard to fix a gut okay and to repopulate it with the proper biota okay and then we have to you know have consideration of dysbioses and so forth uh, the type of um, diet that someone goes on, you can determine that from history or food allergy testing, okay, and or food allergy testing. Okay, there are people who don't do well with grains, and you, and it's not just gluten anymore, people. I'm, I'm talking to everybody. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not That's just fine. gluten. Um, there are lectins, different types of grains, that there's a lot of cross-reactivity I've noticed, so sometimes people don't do well with grains, and you can just kind of see if they're carb addicts and stuff like that, and you want them on more of a paleo diet, okay, or something that is, you know, less grainy and more protein and more veggie and more fats and stuff like that. And some people do very, very well with grains, and it doesn't really make a whole lot of difference, okay? Uh, if you're going to just, you know, do the usual antigens, You'd have people come off gluten, uh, dairy, and soy. And uh, corn is coming up fast. But uh, you still have to fix the gut. And you have to do it by, inten by intention. Diet by itself will not do that. It will lessen the inflammation in the gut because re reactions will go down. But it won't heal a leaky gut. A gut gets leaky after a long time of assault. Okay, after many years of assault. That's when it really gets leaky. Okay, otherwise it's been repairing itself. When it gets to that point where everything you're eating is creating problems, okay, just the diet will, is insufficient. And I'm glad, I'm really happy you asked that question because that is something that, you know, I know a lot of practitioners. They simply don't heal the gut correctly. They don't right. either. They don't know, or it's not high enough on their on their priority list to fix. But if you spend time, you know, really fixing that gut, you'd be surprised how much improvement somebody will get. And the inflammation drops significantly. Uh, the diet can help, okay, but a lot of stuff goes away. And that's when we start getting into, you know, high-dose vitamin C, liposomal vitamin C for the phospholipids. And uh, then we start talking about intravenous vitamin C, and, you know, it, can, it just gets can get a little complicated, but not all that much, you know. Taking the time to fix the gut correctly um, is important, more important than anything else, and the diet can have a contribution to that, but you can't just say the GAPS diet is good for this, okay? Right. Uh, it has to be, in, it's individualized because it depends on their individual physiology. Uh, as a guide, you know, um, you, you just ask somebody, you know, how do you, what, what foods make you feel worse? What foods make you feel better? Oh, when I eat proteins, I feel great. Okay, when I eat, you know, carbs, I feel ter terrible. Well, that's a no-brainer. <laughs> okay. Right. Just find a diet of your choice that doesn't have a lot of carb or grain in it and, you know, 
that's a good one because that will decrease inflammation immediately while you're fixing the gut. You know, once you fix it, unless it's an IgE allergy, like a true allergy, okay, the person will be able to rotate other foods in like every four days. It's not that difficult, but that's later on down the program. Did, did I answer your question? Yes, you did. Thank you so much. Okay. So one more if question. Could, so do you, please. if we're out of state, do you do phone consultations? Yes. And I can go get our lab work and stuff done that you need? or. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can do, uh, I've been, I can order, I have a LabCorp and Quest accounts, and I order lab tests, depending, it doesn't matter where you are, okay? And um, some of the specialty labs, uh, I have either the stuff here or I have accounts with them, and I can drop ship tests to you. Uh, most of my patients are out of state or out of country, okay? So, you know, I've been, over the past few years, I've been developing a lot of resources for everyone. And, um, you know, so that's that's all well taken care of. Well, thank you. That's good to know. Okay. I appreciate All right, you thank calling. You. It was a great question. Thank Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, someone asked, um, do neurotransmitter test results point to what type of chronic inflammation you may have? Yes and no. Okay. Um, the neurotransmitter test results will tell you if you have an immune problem. Okay, so we can look at it and say, my God, this is coming from an immune problem. Does it tell you what kind? No. Okay, that's going to be done on history or other type of testing. Sometimes you can do cytokine testing uh, and uh, stimulated cytokines and so forth, and that can point you in a certain direction. But I remember when that came out, and it uh, quite frankly didn't... um, didn't pan out to be what we thought it was going to be. We thought it would give you a much straighter line towards the causative agent, and frankly, um, that's not the way it ended up. So uh, the real way of finding out what is causing the chronic inflammation is, again, history. History tells you almost everything, okay? And then you can use your testing to hone it down, okay? And it doesn't have to be extensive testing. Lots of times you can hone it into one area. Uh, you can cast a net out if you need need to, but um, the neurotransmitters are the result of the chronic inflammation. Okay, you can look at a neurotransmitter test, listen to somebody's story, and tell what exactly is going on with that brain. You can tell them if it's completely upregulated and it's on fire, or if it is beginning to fail and, begin, and the adrenals are beginning to fail and at what stage they're at. Okay, and if the... Um, What's you know what the balance is? Um, that's why I can look at somebody's neurotransmitter profile and with a history basically tell them their whole neurological history, okay, and why they're feeling the way they're feeling. Okay, so um, in answer to your question, yes and no, mostly no. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, but that's the truth. Well, we have about two minutes and 22 seconds left. Does anyone else have a question that I can answer? You guys have been very patient with me tonight. I really appreciate it. Okay, I appreciate the um, the attendance at um, at these lectures. I've been watching the statistics, and each week more and more and more people are are listening and listening to the archives. Okay, which are present on my website. Um, again, www.drjessarmine.com or www.bio-individualmed.com. Okay, they're both the same website. And you can go to radio shows and get all the prior radio shows and listen to them and uh, get all the PDFs that we did, okay, and follow along with us. And uh, when I look at the stats, and we have now the British lady saying I have 90 seconds, I've noticed that there's more and more and more people listening, and and I'm getting lots of great questions on email. Okay, I'm doing a lot of... um, little consults that, you know, people are asking good questions, just like this past lady um, that I spoke with. You know, that's an excellent, excellent, excellent point, excellent question, because uh, it's a big confusion on how to treat leaky gut, and uh, some people are kind of surprised when it's so easy. Okay, I'm like, why didn't we do it before? Well, because everybody's looking at all the esoteric stuff and forgetting the basics. 
So anyway, again, I thank you for your uh, your attention. I thank you for being here. I thank you for your support. And um, next week, I don't know what we're going to have, you know, because I have a couple of people lined up I'd like to interview. And hopefully um, we will be doing a show on uh, low-dose naltrexone with an um, individual from England. I'm going to pre-record the show and then play it for you. And uh, if you guys have anything else you'd like us to uh, talk about, please shoot me an email. It would be really nice. So uh, for this week, i um, like to say goodnight. Thank you. Thank you again. And I will be talking to you soon. Take care now. This is Dr. Jess Online, and we are signing off. I am signing off. Does when doctors use the royal we? <laughs>